Anyway, hey, listen, we've got extra flyers. Uh, these, are, these are no good to us on a counter, all right? Grab some of these on your way out and give them to a few hundred of your most intimate friends, all right? That's what this is for. This is a Christmas Eve uh, uh, invite. One service, Christmas Eve at 4.30. One service, Christmas Eve at 4.30. Grab some of these and hand them out, all right? That's your job. Let's all stand. We'll get into God's Word this morning. We are going to have a missions offering at the end of our time, so that uh, just so you can be prepared for that as well. Um, so, Lord God, thank you for grace. Thank you for your word. Thank you for family, being able to worship together. We ask that you would speak by your Holy Spirit and give us ears to hear whatever you want to say. We thank you in advance because your word always has a purpose and it always is going to accomplish something we want to have hearts open to receive whatever you say. And so speak now by your spirit and give us the understanding of what you're saying and the courage to change in any way that you would see fit. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. Will you give someone a high five and have a seat, please? Right on. Go tell it on the mountain. All right. All right. So, so, uh. Uh, oh, by the way, Josh, man, nice jerk chicken reference, bro. I appreciate that. Yes, yes. I'm like, jerk chicken, look at that, man. That's dear, near and dear to my heart. So many things in life that bring us joy. As you can tell, one of the things that brings me joy is jerk chicken. I love it. Google it. All right? Uh, birthdays bring you joy, depending on how high your number's getting. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't, but... Um, how about achieving something hard that you work for, uh, graduations, weddings, uh, Christmas season, right? Uh, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Our message this morning as we continue in our Advent series is joy to the world. Um, I like to travel. Uh, doesn't matter any, really, well, I mean, it does matter. I don't like to travel across town, but I do like to travel um, uh, I like Greek food uh, with friends or alone. doesn't matter to me. I just love it. Uh, I like to roam the discount aisles of health food stores. That's kind of how I get energized. And, of course, the, my favorite store, the 99-cent store, I'm, like, all on it, man. <laughs> By the way, they have organic lettuce for a buck. Go clean them out, just so you know. Yeah, just so you know. Yeah, some of y'all are like, oh, 99-cent store. Hey, Siri, where's the nearest 99-cent store? Yeah, I know, right down the street there. Um, and then also there's circumstances in life, right? There's things that happen that challenge that joy that we have, uh, sickness, um, money issues, relational struggles. Maybe it's this Christmas, there's a, a chair that someone has always sat in who's not there. Uh, by the way, Pastor Jonathan is here this morning. Please make sure you give him some love. Yeah, he's roaming the halls out there. Give him some love, you know. Uh, sadness. And then there's just the curveballs that life throws our way, right? Just like, where did that come from? How can this possibly be? It's life. It's not always easy. It's difficult. And so we're in this series talking about uh, Advent and Advent really comes from a Latin word that means coming, which is uh, tra uh, translated in the Greek language, which the New Testament was written in, is parousia. And the word that we're looking at has to do with 
Advent in the looking back at Jesus' birth 2,000 years ago, which we celebrate a week from today and every day. But also we look forward to his coming again. And so we look back and we look forward. Over the last number of weeks, we've been talking about uh, our first week of Advent was hope. And it was hope and expectation. And how do we have hope in this world that seems at times to be so hopeless? Looking back at blessings, but then looking forward at the same time. Celebrating Jesus coming the first time and at the same time knowing that he is coming back again changes the way that we live. So we have hope and we have expectation. And as we saw, uh, our hope is based on a person because hope has to be based on something. It can't just be positive energy. Okay, It's got to be based on something and our hope is based in Jesus Christ. It's a living hope because Jesus is alive because the tomb is empty. You can go to Israel today and you can go to the place where they believe Jesus Christ was actually buried. And yes, the tomb is still empty. It's a living hope. The second week, we looked at Jesus as our peace. And once again, peace has to be based on something. And is peace based on outward circumstance or inward circumstance? Well, again, our peace is based on a person, Jesus. And today we'll look at joy. Um, the Advent wreath and candles that are usually lit, uh, and we'll do that on Christmas Eve, and, and our, our kids are going to come and sing, sing to us as well. Uh, the third candle is the pink candle in the Advent wreath, and that is the shepherd's candle or the joy candle. And so that's what we're celebrating today. Now, it turns out that the Bible has a lot to say about joy. I think some people think that Christianity is all a bunch of rules and regulations. It's about trying the impossible, which is pleasing a God that really cannot be pleased and making your life miserable. I think sometimes, and maybe for good reason, people look at the lives of people who follow Christ and say, man, why would I want to, you know, like follow that God if, if this is what that... This guy's never happy. He's always judging people. He has no love. And, the, and you know what? I wouldn't want to join a group of people like that myself. And so joy is, is, a, is a big theme in the Bible. It really is. And so, like, for example, Isaiah chapter 35, uh, Isaiah the prophet looks forward uh, to uh, the Messiah coming and the deliverance for the people of God. And he says, speaking of the land in Isaiah 35, 1, the wilderness and the dry ground shall be glad, the desert shall rejoice and blossom like the corcus, uh, crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. So when Jesus returns, the effects of sin on the world uh, is going to be changed, and so there's going to be blossoms in the desert. And you know what? We live in the desert. We get that. Streams flowing from the wilderness that such that even nature itself will be transformed when Jesus comes back. It says in Isaiah 35, 5 and 6, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute Sing for joy. There's that theme again. Those who previously couldn't now will in the kingdom of God. Isaiah 51.11 says, Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. They will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy, 
sorrow and mourning will disappear and they will be, will be filled with joy and gladness. Man, who wouldn't want to live in a place like that? This is speaking about a time when Jesus Christ will come back and will reign and rule on earth for a thousand years, headquartered in Jerusalem. And I have to tell you, I think I got a very, very small preview of this when we visited Israel. And we were on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem on Shabbat. And that's that, that, that celebration of God where no work is to be done, where you're to rest and, and you're to, to spend that time with family, friends, and with God. It's a big deal in Israel. And in Jerusalem, as the Temple Mount is like a gathering place. And we were so excited to be able to go on the Temple Mount on Shabbat. And you know how when you go to a sporting event and maybe you drive up, you're a little bit late, uh, and, and uh, an outdoor, think of an outdoor arena, and, and you can hear the noise of the crowd, and it's like, maybe the announcements are happening or something, and it's like, man, listen to all of this. This is all, you're like, you're, like, you're excited, you can't wait to get in there and, and check it out. And so, so we drove and parked, and, and as we were, and, and you could hear the sound, get out of the bus, and I'm like, man, listen to it. And, and we kind of went up, up an embankment, because, you know, very secure area, right? I mean, like, you, you think we know security? Go to Israel. You will see security. You'll see it all around you, right? And, and so we, we turned the corner, and it was like this explosion of joy, and, and, and young people dancing and they had these choreographed dances and and they had all their songs and they were ah, da, 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 da. and you kind of want to join in but you don't want to be like the weird american like man where where are you from oh okay vegas got you all right uh but uh it, it was it was so exciting and and it was it was exhilarating i mean and and and, and here they are just worshiping and joyous and and filled and it's like this is what God's talking about in Isaiah 51 but but that was just a preview of what it's really going to be like this this joy that will be on the earth when that time comes Job speaks about it and many of you may know the story of Job where you know uh, God asked him at the end of Job some very serious questions which no one has answers to and uh, Job 38.4, he says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? And in verse 7, he says, as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. And so, so here's God who spoke the stars into existence and, and created all things. And, and as, 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 as light and energy and matter came into existence out of nothing, the angels just rejoiced and there was there was joy and they shouted for joy as that happened first chronicles chapter 15 speaks about king david and it says that david ordered the levite leaders to appoint a choir of levites who were singers and musicians to sing joyful songs to the accompaniment of harps lyres and cymbals David said, listen, I want praise happening in the house of the Lord. And don't you worry about it because we're going to have a praise band that's going to be working full time. Singing, praising, joy coming out of the house of the Lord. Psalm 126, 5 and 6, speaking about when God brings restoration to his people. There will be joy and laughter. It says, those who sow in tears shall reap 
with joyful shouting. He who goes to and fro, weeping, carrying his bag of seed, shall indeed come again with a shout of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. And so, so our theme this morning is joy, and the Bible is filled with examples of that. I mean, it's all over. Do you know three times a year God required his people to come to Jerusalem to have a party with him? I mean, it was like, you will save for this throughout the year, and then you will make your way to Jerusalem, and we are going to have a celebration. Because he wanted his people to experience joy, and to have joy, and to know that there was joy in being in relationship with him. It doesn't mean there aren't hard things and difficult things that happen, but this, is, this was the culture of God with his people, joy. As we celebrate Christmas and we, we think about the stories of Christmas, there's, there's one story of the, of the shepherds and, and the angels that came in, in Luke chapter 2. I mean, this whole Christmas story is laced with joy. It's laced with the presence of God and the, and the impact and the change that he makes in society and with people. And it says in Luke 2.28, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel assured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. Now, you can't tell me that wasn't a life-changing experience. First of all, to see an angel, okay? Like, boom. And now, here you're shepherds, you know, you're, you're on the uh, 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 slope. You're, you're, you know, you're just kind of chilling, and you can actually go to Israel and see the place where they believe that the angel visited the shepherds. You're kind of chilling, just whatever shepherds do, you know, and then, bang, there's an angel. And then the angel talks to you in your own language. And they went. And they saw Jesus. They saw the child. But notice the message. The Savior, um, oh, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Joy. John uh, chapter 2, we have the story of Jesus and his first miracle. And you know his first miracle was at a wedding? At least the first recorded miracle that, well, it says it was his first miracle. At a wedding. Isn't that an interesting place? I mean, of all the things that Jesus did, he shows up at a wedding. How about someone invited Jesus to their wedding? How about that? They had no idea the significance of what that meant. By the way, it is still a very good idea to invite Jesus into your wedding, into your marriage. That's a good idea. It is. So they invite Jesus to this wedding, and uh, you have to understand something about weddings in these days. It was a cultural event. Usually they lasted a week. Could you imagine that? You thought your one-day celebration was going to be hard, or was hard. How about a week-long celebration? Because God wanted his people to have a good time, and marriage was a big deal. And he said, when you get married, what you're going to do is you're going to have a party for a whole week. And, by the way... The men were not allowed to go to war for a whole year. So it's like, you stay home and y'all have a good time. Get busy on that Genesis, be fruitful and multiply thingy that I told you about earlier. And they was like, I, anyway, um, 
I digress. Where was I? Yes. The miracle of the wedding feast at Cana. Week-long celebration. Now, a part of that celebration was wine. Um, there was a steward who had the responsibility of making sure that everything was in order. Wine was a big part of it because wine was a big part of the culture. Okay, don't think, you know, New Year's Eve, Las Vegas, sloppy drunk, pour another one. Okay, no, no, no. You know, no, that's not what it was. The Bible speaks about drunkenness, okay? But here's what wine represented. Wine represented joy because you had grapes. Grapes meant that you had rain. Rain meant that you had the provision of God. And so as you walked with the Lord, God said, I'm the God who controls the weather. I can turn off the valve and I can leave it on. And so when you're walking with me, I will pour out a blessing on the land. The land will produce not just grapes, but figs and pomegranates and all these other things, guava, maybe, who knows, maybe not, but all of this stuff, right? And so that's the, it's symbolic of blessing. So when you had grapes, you had provision because you had rain, because you had the favor of God and you had a good time with it. Okay, don't think sloppy drunk, think good time. Okay, and so what happens at this particular wedding is that they run out of wine. And, and socially, that's like, that's like you have a wedding and you invite 100 people, but you only have food for 30, okay? It's like, I knew I should have got a hamburger on the way here. Dang it, man. No, no, you, know, you, wanna, you want everybody to have a good time, right? And they ran out of wine. And so Mary finds out about it, and she goes to Jesus like, and Jesus is like, why are you, what do you want me to do? And I'm paraphrasing. So there's six pots of water that were used for ceremonial cleansing. And the ceremonial cleansing was because of the purification, the washing of hands in a specific way. This was like a water basin. They're five gallons, give or take a little bit each, clay pots filled with water. Jesus does his first miracle by turning that water into wine. And he says, go and take out some of the water and taste it. And so the steward goes and he does that. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, normally the best wine is served first. But this is now, you've saved the best for last, right? Like normally the good stuff comes out and then we bust out the mad dog or whatever, you know. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, some of that stuff on the bottom of the shelf, a dollar a quart or whatever it is, I don't even know. Like, man, and I bet you that that wine was the best. <laughs> some of you are still laughing at that reference. We'll talk afterwards if we need to, but. We'll have a time of prayer. Um, and I don't mean to make light of that. You know, I, I don't. But, uh, uh, but um, uh, the significance of that is great, I think. Um, because the Lord is, I believe that in that miracle, God was saying that there's, there's something new that's coming. That, that the, the, what, the wine that you had was good, but this is better. 
like the kingdom of God is here and the old is good, but there's a new thing here. There's a new dimension. There's a new, there's a new blessing that's available. For, see, you thought you had the best wine, but you haven't, had, you haven't tasted the best yet. And Jesus comes into a situation and takes something very ordinary and he makes it very extraordinary. He takes something that, that, that's very plain and he makes, it, he makes it unbelievably great. He takes my life that's kind of messed up and ordinary and, and, and nothing spiritually and he breathes his spirit into me and he, he makes me alive and I become, I become his son, I become his child. And it's so much better than it was. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And when you, when you read God's word, when you understand, who Jesus is and you recognize that what he did wasn't just for everybody else but for you man that begins to do something in your heart and it's like that new wine and I believe that that's what that scripture is talking about it's a it's it's joy and 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 provision and and God in a whole nother way he would go on later and Jesus would talk about putting new wine into old wine skins and and, and there's a new thing that God wants to do and and you can't have an old wine skin you got to be born again you got to be born anew you got to you got to have relationship with 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 him in a new way like like maybe you never have before um the wedding feast and 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 so hey joy but right jesus first miracle was at a place of great joy okay that that was the whole point of all that and then so how does that apply to my life today i mean what does it really really matter for today i mean how do okay joy okay listen you know, how, how, how am I supposed to have joy when I read the newspapers or, or when my life is just is, is upside down or there's just difficulty in my life and things happen? I get it. I get it. So Paul the Apostle writes to the church in Philippi, which he was very fond of this church. He had some real hard experiences there. You might have heard the story of the Philippian jailer where he's beaten in uh, the inner core of a prison and uh, ends up, um, you know, freeing, uh, uh, become, uh, leading that man to be a follower of Jesus. But Anyway, um, Paul speaks to this church about, about rejoicing and joy. And he says this, he says in uh, chapter 4, Rejoice in the Lord most times, he says. He says, rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. Now he says, rejoice in the Lord once a week. No, he says, rejoice in the Lord. What does that word say? Always. That is delight, take pleasure in him. And he he says again, because he wants to make sure they get it. He says, again, I say rejoice. And in 14 14 times in that short letter to the church at Philippi, he uses the expression of joy and rejoicing. And it seems strange that he would do that, given the fact that he's on lockdown in prison. Okay, and it's a very dark situation for him. And he fires off this letter to the church at Philippi and says, rejoice, rejoice in those circumstances. Go ahead. It's possible. Seems a little strange, but that's what he says. And then in his letter to the church at Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, rejoice always and delight in your faith. Rejoice always and delight in your faith. Be unceasing and persistent in prayer in every situation, no matter what the circumstances. Be thankful and continually give thanks to God, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Again, same theme. Rejoice always. And you know, when I read that, I go, okay, how do I do that? How do I live a life that's filled with this with this joy and this effervescence that, that God's talking about. And I realize a few things. That is, our inner attitude does not need to reflect our outer circumstances. 
my inner attitude does not need to reflect my outer circumstances because joy is a choice. And it doesn't mean that I'm happy about a situation, but it's a choice to be happy in a situation. And the reason that I can do that is because I'm told to rejoice in the Lord. I mean, I don't rejoice in this or rejoice in that, but I rejoice in the Lord because I have a perspective that because of who he is, because yes, he came 2,000 years ago, and because he is coming again, I can have a different perspective about the situation, and I can have something within me that no matter how dark it is, there can still be some joy. doesn't mean be happy because of the situation, but to be happy in it, Because that word rejoice is a present imperative, which means always. And so we can have that because joy has a reason. Joy is linked to a person, and that joy is, is through and because of Jesus. That's what we celebrate. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. We can have joy because the Lord has come and because he's coming again. So Paul says, rejoice always. Does that make sense? Rejoice always. And so Spurgeon, that great preacher in London, said this, I'm bound to mention among the curiosities of the churches that I have known deeply many, uh, many deeply spiritual Christian people who have been afraid to rejoice. So take such a view of religion that it is to them a... uh, Some take such a uh, view of religion that is to them a sacred duty to be gloomy. He says, turn this book over and see if there's any precept that the Lord has given you in which he has said, groan in the Lord always. And again, I say, groan. You may groan if you like. You have Christian liberty for that. But at the same time, do believe that you have a larger liberty to rejoice. For so it is put before you. He's saying rejoice. I mean, Christianity is not about negative stuff, rules. You can't have any fun. In fact, it's just the opposite. That God wants us to be filled with joy, overflowing with joy in the midst of even some difficult situations. I love what the message translation says in Psalm 33, 20. It says, we're depending on God. He's everything we need. What's more, our hearts brim with joy since we've taken uh, for our own his holy name. Love us, God, with all you've got. That's what we're depending on. Yeah, God. We're depending on you to love us with everything you've got. Then we will have joy. I want to read to you this uh, story. This is from um, Kay Warren. And she wrote a book called Choose Joy Because Happiness Isn't Enough. And you might know uh, their story. Um, uh, They have a large church in Saddleback, California. uh, Saddleback Church. And um, uh, I mean, I mean, uh, Purpose-driven life was 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 is his her husband's teaching, um, Rick Warren. But uh, you also know they had a son who, because of the struggles that he had mentally, he he took his own life and committed suicide. 
uh, um, and just an unbelievably dark time in their lives. Anyway, she writes about joy. And, and this is what she says. She says, finding joy is a challenge for me. I'm not naturally an upbeat person. I'm more of a melancholy. When I talk about joy, I'm not doing so from the perspective of a generally peppy person who never has a bad day. In fact, it's because of my own inability to live with joy that led me to explore why my experiences didn't line up with the scripture. Do you like where she's going so far? I mean, this is, this is reality, and I love it. She goes, um, my uh, joy, and, and I love this definition. I, I, this is one of the best definitions I've heard of joy. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. Is that great? That is so freeing. It's so true, right? She goes on. You'll find nothing in that definition about happy feelings because as we all know, Happiness is fleeting and temporary. We tend to think that life comes in hills and valleys. In reality, it's much more like train tracks. Every day of your life, wonderful good things happen that bring pleasure and contentment and beauty to you. At the, at the exact same time, painful things happen to you or those you love that disappoint you, hurt you, or fill you with sorrow. These two tracks both joy and sorrow run parallel uh, to each other every single moment of your life. Is that true? You say amen to that? All right, that's good, right? All right, that's why when you're in the midst of an amazing experience, you have a nagging realization that it's not perfect. And while you're experiencing some, something painful, there's the glorious realization that there is still beauty and loveliness to be found, they are inseparable. If you look down train tracks into the brightness of the horizon, the tracks become one. You can't distinguish them as two separate tracks. That's how it will be for us too. One day, our parallel tracks of joy and sorrow will merge into one. The day, we, that, the day we meet Jesus Christ in person and see the brightness of who he is, it will all come together for us. Then it will make complete sense. Is that great? I think that's awesome. That's uh, Kay Warren. Um, choose joy because happiness isn't enough. So there were these uh, Presbyterian um, it was a conference of Presbyterian folks in Omaha years ago. And um, the people were given helium balloons, helium-filled balloons. And at some point during the worship service, when they wanted to really express their joy, uh, they were to release the balloons. Now, because at least then, I don't know about now, or different Presbyterian church, uh, you know, hallelujah, praise the Lord, amen. It's just not something that they were used to. And so I guess that the sad part about the story is that as the worship surf service was beginning, people were releasing their balloons. But at the end of their time, uh, one third of the crowd had not released them. 
And it just made me think and ask a question. Um, have you released your joy balloon? Have you? And if you, if you haven't, why not? So Southwest Airlines um, has a pretty incredible culture. And in the center of their core values, they tell their employees this. And this is not an advertisement for Southwest Airlines because I'll fly anybody who's cheap and has a little bit of leg room. So I just want you to know that. But this is one of their core values. I looked it up online because I've heard about it multiple times and I wanted to read it. It's on their website. One of their core values is that their employees are to embrace a fun-loving attitude and to not take themselves too seriously. By the way, bags fly for free. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, come on. How about you go to work at a place where they look at you and go, bro, lighten up. You are way too serious. Where they list as one of their core values having a fun, loving attitude. And it made me ask this question. Is joy identified with something at Living Grace Church? Will people come and visit or will people you know, check out church or whatever it might be. Um, Christmas Eve, we're, we're, we're really wanting your friends and family. We're really wanting you to bring, your, your, bring friends, family, bring people. Um, and will they walk away and will they say, you know what? I'll tell you one thing. Man, there's a lot of love in that place and there's a lot of joy. Yeah. I, I, is that one of our characteristics? Because if it is, then it's not from me, it's from all of you. Would people say of you that one of your characteristics is that you just have joy? The dude is just, he's, and it doesn't mean you're like always happy. Oh, wow, my cat died. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Fun, that's so awesome. No, that's, that's, that's not, that's weird. That's weird. And I think that some people feel like if you're not overflowing with joy, somehow you're not being spiritual. Oh, brother, you just need to praise the Lord. Well, you know what? Life stinks right now, honey. I don't want to praise the Lord. Whoa, look at you. I'll pray for you. Oh, my gosh. Go away from me, right? Right? Listen, we're talking about something that comes from deep within. But we're talking also about sometimes it gets blocked and sometimes there's heavy things and it's okay. you got to know that. You've got to know that, right? It's okay if you're not feeling it. But I do know this. It's a choice. I know that. I know that our joy comes from above, and it's based on who Jesus is. So I have a few things in closing for you. Then we're going to take a missions offering, all right? Remember this. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It's the joy. It's his joy is something that comes from within and overflows, all right? The joy of the Lord is my strength. So this week, here's your assignment, give some joy away. And you'll know when the Holy Spirit's prompting you to do it because it'll be like, oh, 
don't react. Say this. You'll be like, oh, I say it. I'm not saying that. Oh, you, I know. Right? Yeah. Give some joy away this week. This week. Sometimes that's all someone needs to, to hear from God is to see somebody else with a little joy, with a little hope, with a little expectation. Give some away. Here's another thing I wrote down. Life's too short to be crotchety. Life's too short. We get, we get, we get, we get our underwear in such a bunch. Can, can I say that? We get all crazy over stuff that don't even matter. And it's like, dude, what are you tripping on? <laughs> right? Life's too short to be crotchety. And, 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 and Jesus is our source of joy. Jesus is our source of joy. He is. Okay? You have your assignment? Give some joy away. Um, life's too short to be all crotchety about stuff. And, and joy has a source. And our source is Jesus. And the closer I get to him, the closer I get to him, the, the more I'm going to have perspective and the more that that joy is going to well up within me and overflow to others. Okay? All right. Um, lo, let's take our missions offering right now. And so if you all want to, uh, ushers would come on up. And um, this is an opportunity for you to give. And I want to say to you that... Um, um, uh, thank, first of all, thank you for the Hope House Angels. There were there was there were 17 of them that were that were given to you. Um, most of them were, were all of them were taken, and so I know that um, uh, uh, you know those guys are very 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 appreciative. There, there weren't as many here for you because the first service is greedy over blessings, and they just kind of took many of them. But I want to thank you for that. And also, let you know that that Stacy uh, in Beijing she wants to do a Christmas party. For, for kids in her village. And so um, a portion of what you give, we give to her already, but we're going to give a little bit extra to her. And just so you know that, and um, uh, if you want to give over and above that, you can, I can get you in, connected with her directly, okay? Uh, we can do that as well. And so, so, Father, thank you for this opportunity that we have to give and that you would take these finances and that you would uh, multiply them, and they are literally going into the outermost parts of the world. And um, we're, we're, we're grateful to be able to give. Take it, use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, <clears throat> and I, I want to, again, um, remind you of uh, these tech cards. Take these, give them to other people. Let's pack the house on, um, on uh, New Year's Eve. And I also want to say that um, if you've never embraced Jesus Christ in your life, then I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Um, what we do is, is all about leading people, leading ourselves into uh, authentic, growing relationships with Christ. And it starts with him. Everything that we're talking about starts with him. And so would you consider this Christmas opening your heart to Jesus? Um, not just so you can have joy, because it's so much bigger than that but it's about a relationship. It's about knowing him. Uh, it's about uh, uh, being in, re in, in relationship with him. That's, that's just really the best way I can describe it. Uh, the Bible tells us God so loved the world that he gave and because that's what love does. That's what we celebrate is what God did 2,000 years ago. But you know, that gift of Jesus is still giving and he's giving to us right now. And so, you know, there's a table in the back that's got some more information um, 
But um, I'm going to close in prayer, and I just want to ask you if, if, if that's something that's on your heart, that I'm going to give you an opportunity. So would you pray with me, please, one last time? Father, I thank you for today, and we, um, we're blessed to be here. We love you, and we ask, oh God, that you would open our hearts. I ask you, God, that if there's someone here who is far from you, someone who, whose heart is, is stirred because it's what you do. You stir our hearts. And you've got an infinite number of ways to do that. But someone who would say, yeah, you know what? I need that. I need Jesus in my life. I don't know all the, all the details, but I know this. My heart's crying out. And I, I, need, to, I need that um, relationship with God. And if, if that's your heart and you would say, I'm in agreement, man. Yeah. Uh, would you just raise your hand? I want to be able to pray with you as we close this morning. Anyone at all who would say, yeah, that's me. I, I know it. I feel it. God's been speaking to my heart. I know that's where I need to be. Anyone at all? If you've never done it before, I want to give you that opportunity. All right. Anyone? Okay. Amen. So, God, help us to be dispensers of your joy. Not something that we manufacture in our heart, but something that comes deeply from you. This day and this week, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a, have a great day.